right. Welcome to the Remarketing Podcast. My name is Jerome Lewis. I am your host for today. The Remarketing Podcast is a podcast where we talk marketing, tech, business, and leadership. We talk these things for real estate agents, real estate investors, and real estate entrepreneurs. The Remarketing Podcast has two purposes. Purpose number one, to spotlight you, Dwan, your business, your service, or your product in a way that provides value to you, including market exposure and content creation. Purpose number two, to catch to educate and inform our listeners. With that, we have the wonderful Dwan Bet Twyfer, America's most sought-after real estate investor. Started at, Dwan started as a broke single mom who had been fired from Denny's. She has personally flipped over 200, what's that, 2,000, right? That's supposed to say 2,000. 2,000 properties and taught thousands of people how to become financially free. Dwan is affectionately known as the queen of short sales and is considered to be the nation's number one expert on short sales and foreclosures. She has written three bestsellers. Number one, short sale pre-foreclosure investing. Number two, how to sell a house when it's worth less than the mortgage. And did I miss one? No. And my most recent book, I wrote it with Steve Forbes. It's called Success Onomics. Successonomics. Thank you for that. She is highly sought after and has been featured on Fox and Friends, MSNBC, Naomi's Good Morning, Colorado and Company, and mother many uh many other TV, radio, podcasts, and print medias. Dewan also has a top rated podcast called, which I just left. Could you say the name for us, Dewan? It's the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. Currently, Dewan and her husband are rehabbing a town. It is her craziest project to date. In a business dominated by men, Dewan has certainly made her mark. Her motto, her motto never changes. People before profits. Dewan, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. So, so I didn't even get to read your bio before we popped on, so I'm impressed. I'm like, oh my God, we got a rock star here. And I, I want to talk a little bit about you, but I want to hear about you rehabbing that town. That sounds pretty amazing. So before we do that, though, can you tell us in your own words a little bit about you and who you are? Yes. So do you want like my story, how I got into investing? Yeah, I think okay. that would be appropriate. Uh, I'll do the short version. So I was married. I was one of these people. Uh, Similar to you, I was pretty wild in my 20s. So I always tell people, like, unless you understand, I turned 21 in 1980. And 1980 was like a decade of decadence, a lot of cocaine, a lot of champagne. It was severely, like, we were all about, you know, it was just very decadent. And I was just right all in there, working at nightclub, doing the whole thing. And I was pretty wild. And then, you know, I and I wanted to have kids, but I waited until a little bit later. So I got married, had a baby. I'm 30 years old. My daughter's eight months old. And my husband leaves and we split up. Now, I have no husband. He took the car. I have no car. I lose my house in foreclosure and I have an eight month old baby. So I was like at that, you know, bottom of the come to Jesus moment. Like, what am I going to do? I'm 30 years old. I have a baby and I'm literally dead broke. And so uh, I took a minute and I thought, and, you know, and I was raised a little bit different because I was raised in Ohio and uh, in the, in the Midwest and in the seventies, people were like, when you get out of school, you get married, you have kids, you work at a factory. So I was raised with the, you know, get a factory job, work till you're 60, retire. So I was raised that way. And I was just like, no, I'm not gonna do that. So, so I, I didn't go to college, like none of that stuff. So now I'm 30 years old, I got a baby and I'm freaking dead, broke, 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 broke. And so I just took a minute and I thought, okay, what am I gonna do? I have to make a decision 
about life right here. So my decision one was I can get a job. I can put Ayla in daycare, which is why I waited to be 30. So I could like be the homework mom, the Girl Scout mom, the brownie mom, the field trip mom. I could put her in daycare and get a job. But I also knew if I got a job, I'd keep it probably till I was 50. I'd be raising her. So I'd have this job. And I thought, oh, fuck. And then I thought I could try something and work for myself. But I've never done that. So I don't know. That's pretty scary too. But then I thought, well, if I fail, I can always get a job. So I literally started looking. And the funny thing is I didn't even look for real estate investing. I was looking for any job I could do from home. I work for myself and raise my daughter. And so back, so this would be like in 1990. So back then the internet was not what it is. You couldn't, there, none of this existed. So when you were looked for jobs, everything was in the newspaper in the classified section. So I go to all these job interviews and most of them are like multi-level marketing and there's like 500 people there. And I see the value and I was like, no, I need money like today. So literally, Jerome, as I would have, I met these real estate investors and I said, they said, oh yeah, we buy houses and we fix them up and we sell them. So I'm really naive. I don't know even what the word real estate investor means. There are no seminars, there's no HGTV, it doesn't exist. So my mind hears, Okay, they buy houses, they fix them up and they sell them. So they decorate and I love to decorate. I have excellent taste. That's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna decorate houses. So I literally went door knocking, found my first house and moved into it thinking I was just gonna decorate, fix it up a little bit. But I mean, fixing like paint and carpet and plants and blinds. And, but then it needed like full rehab. And I didn't know how to do any, I had no skills. I didn't understand what I was buying. So I went to Home Depot, I took all the classes and I learned how to put in kitchens and sinks and toilets and ceiling fans and pressure wash and electrical. And I learned all the stuff. And so I rehabbed houses. And my daughter was with me every day in the house, hanging out and it was a blast. And I made 22,000 bucks on my first deal. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the most amount of money I've ever seen any person ever have. I'm so rich right now. And I just kept doing it. And that wow. was it, that's how I started. So literally, I honestly did not know what I was doing and I was not looking for real estate. It just happened to be the most interesting thing that I heard. And now I've been doing it for 33 years. Wow, so you 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 got started in uh, like wholesale? Not, not wholesale, I know I rehab. I rehab. So I rehab okay. for like the first five or six deals I rehab. And then they opened up a RIA group in South Florida in Boca Raton. I saw an ad in the paper, real estate investors were opening this real estate investing club and I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to go there. And by going there, I learned about uh, wholesaling. I, I had never even heard the term wholesaling before. So I learned what wholesaling was. So then I started wholesaling and that was what, that was honestly what changed everything for me. Cause I went from doing three or four rehabs a year to wholesaling 75 houses. And all of a sudden I have like $800,000 in the bank. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so rich right now. I don't even know what's happening. And I, and I became a maniac. I just wholesaled for a long time. And wholesaling, deals would be tight. So I started calling the banks to take less. And short sales wasn't even a coined phrase yet. And so I, and I'm working with these banks. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And I'm like, oh, it's called discounting shorting. It's all these different things. So I actually trademarked and coined the term short sales. I have a registered trademark on short sales as it applies to real estate investing. Wow, thank you. So that's where I was trying to get to. I was trying yeah. to figure out how did we get into wholesale? And I said yeah. short sale because sale. But I was wholesale. But... Here's what happened. My, I was telling, it's funny, I was telling some people this yesterday. My first, my first short sale, I had this deal. And you know, when you're wholesaling a house, and if you think you're going to make five grand, like in your mind, it's already spent. 
at least I was still that way. So I had this deal and I was going to make 5,000 bucks. So I get all the papers faxed over and I find out there's all these extra fees. I'm only going to make a thousand dollars, but I'm still, you know, this is still a really long time ago and I need the 5,000. So I'm just like, oh. so I call the bank. I said, listen, you added this fee and this fee and this fee. If you can't knock those fees up, I can't close the deal and I, I can't do it. And so the bank literally, she doesn't even put me in hold. She's like, oh, hang on a minute. And she's punching something. She's okay. We can do it just like that. I was like, she just knocked $4,000 off in like a 30 second phone call. So now I'm thinking, hmm, I should have been doing this the whole time. The very next deal I get, I call the bank and try to get them to waive some fees. And this is like 1990, 91, 92. Then I do, and now I start doing this all the time. And then on one day I thought, you know what? I found a great house that they owed what it was worth. I thought, I wonder if I can get the bank to take money off of like the principal. So I call the bank and it's a 67, 60, like $7,000 house. The bank agreed to take $35,000. And I was like, what is this? I have discovered something. And <clears throat> that was it. I been crazy. And every deal I flipped, I shorted it first. And then I was making like so much money. And I thought, oh my gosh. So I trademarked it and then I wrote a book. I got asked by Wiley Publishing to write a book about short sales. And it happened by accident. It was a super happy accident and it turned into a thing that has made me hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, I, I am a book collector. How can I get a copy of your three books? How can we? Amazon. They're on Amazon. Okay. How can I get signed copies? Uh, I actually don't have any books. I'd have to get it on Amazon. Okay. <laughs> sign it. So you get them. And the next time I know I'm going to see you, I will sign it and write something amazing. All if right. I'll deal with a publishing company like Wiley Publishing. People that self-publish can print, you know, 5,000 books. When you get a deal like that, you have to buy your books at, at like $13 a piece. So okay. I had to buy my first batch of books. And then I was like, I'm not buying books for 13 bucks. and just like sign them, give them away to people. Buy it and I'll sign it. So, so you don't get a whole bunch of books when you do with a publishing company. Okay. At least back then. At least back then. I don't know. one. Tell me, tell us how you became known as the queen of short sales. What is, what was that like? How did that? Well, I started doing those short sales kind of by accident. And, um, and the Aria group had started in South Florida. And I thought, you know, Aria group, this is a great idea. I could run a Aria group. I've been investing. I know as much as that guy. So I started a Aria group in a different part of town. And, uh, and I, and I had learned short sales. So I actually wrote a, a home study program. Like the courses that you buy from Rich Dad or a little program and it only had 50 pages. It was all about short sales and all kinds of examples. And I started selling it and I sent it in and I copyrighted it. I got a trademark. And then I realized nobody ever anywhere was teaching about short sales. And so again, I don't have the internet. So I have my own radio group and people in Florida from other radio groups asking me to speak at their group. So I speak in Orlando, I speak in Miami and I'm like, okay, cause we all run RIA groups. And then next thing you know, I'm being asked to speak here and there and all over the country. Then I got asked to speak in Colorado and my husband was in the audience. That's how I met my husband at a RIA, speaking at a RIA three-day event in Colorado. He stalked me like a dog. And so then we've been married 20 years now. We just had our 20 year anniversary this year. Um, so I, and then uh, Wiley Publishing, I don't know, they know Gary Keller. I was in Gary Keller's book. The millionaire real estate investors, okay. you know, Gary Keller from 
Kelly yes. Williams. He has a book yes. that um, something about I, I can't I can't think of the title. Something about real estate agents and this one called uh, Real Estate Investors. So I, I was in his book. So yeah, I'm the millionaire real estate agent and the millionaire real estate investor. Investor. So I'm in that book. I got my blonde hair back then. So wow. I'm in that book, and then the publishing company says, "Hey, I saw you talk about this. I want you to write a book." And so it just led to writing about short sales. My book was a bestseller, and then of course I started doing short sale training, and I've done it forever. And I trademarked it, and then people started calling me the queen of short sales. So I trademarked that too. Wow, that's that's amazing. So, so you get a little nickname, trademark it. So now. Okay. People call me. I trademarked the queen of short, uh, foreclosures. I trademarked the queen of short sales. <laughs> I trademarked short sales. Nice. Trademark that, I'm I, I'm honored to for, to have you on this podcast. So, <laughs> I, I have some I have some questions here, and I'm going to try to um, structure them around what we're talking about. So, the the next question, the question I have is, what is one thing about your success that you did not expect? Honestly, it sounds like a stupid answer, but all of it. I literally decided to to rehab that house instead of putting my. I just and I have nothing against people that you. I always say this. I got nothing against daycare. I just waited till I was thirty to have kids, and I wanted to be that fun mom, the disco ball. Everyone was coming to my house. Like I wanted to be that person. And and when I realized that that was about to have my dream snatched away, I thought I'm just gonna work for myself. So I honestly, when I first started, I thought I would just rehab houses, but wholesale houses, and that would be it. But then people were like, we really love what you're doing. We love your story. Come and speak at my group. And I was like, okay. So then I start speaking. And then all of a sudden I have a book deal. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to write a book. And then it became a bestseller. And then like, it just kept growing. And next thing you know, I have books and a podcast and I've done, I have over 500,000 students. And it's just like, I, I'm surprised by all of it. When I hear people read my intro, I'm always like, who are they talking about? And then I'm like, oh my God, it's me. I'm really surprised by my own bio. Honestly, yeah, that, that bio took me back. Cause like I said, <laughs> I didn't get to read it until we were here. And I was like, wow, this is really impressive. So, uh, so I just... honestly, every show, when I hear people read my bio, I, I honestly, a piece of me is like, they cannot be talking about me. And I'm like, you know what they are? I've been doing this 33 years. I have made a mark, but still today, it still surprises me. Okay. Tell us about the, tell me about like an important lesson that you learned. What would you say is the most important lesson you've learned? Uh, failure, success, like what's the most important you've learned thus far? You know what? My most important thing, and this is something that you and I talked about on my podcast is when I started, there was no internet. There was no virtual wholesaling. There was not, there were no people traveling and doing seminars there was nothing so i literally 100 learned every single thing by the seat of my pants okay so i tell people now i'm like listen at your fingertips is every person that's ever wrote a program that's ever done a website or a seminar or something and i tell people i wish i had had a mentor because it took me honestly my learning curve was long it took me like 10 years to really fully understand all the things I know now. And if I had had a mentor, I could have learned all that in a year's time by learning from somebody else's education. So you, so there's a couple of things. So one, right. I want to ask because I'm a tech person, right. I want to know, you keep saying, you said three times now there was no internet. What was that like? 
It was me driving to the courthouse and handwriting all the foreclosures. It was me using that stupid map book and learning how to get around in the city. It was uh, me having to order a mailing list out of the yellow pages where they send you postcards and you have to put the sticky things, the addresses on every single 5,000 postcards by hand. It was everything was by hand and everything. So everything took longer. Wow. So I, now I can like send in my postcards, send in my thing, send to a company. They mail it for me. I mean, yeah. I remember sitting around with my daughter at night with her friends. I would pay them five bucks an hour and we would put labels on postcards, 5,000 at a time. You, you mentioned something that I, uh, that I often hear people say, you said it took you 10 years to like, basically you mastered it over 10 years and they say 10 years or 10,000 hours. Like, so I just wanted to point that out really quickly. It takes like that time. And then you also talk about like coaching. Like you're like, I wish I had a coach. And uh, yeah, they talk about, I'm a millennial. They talk about the millennials and how spoiled we are. I know I'm spoiled. I know I got the internet. And then I know like, thank God I, I could pay for a coach. Cause I couldn't imagine like all of that stuff that you're doing and going through having to send letters. I'm telling you, you only did a three month span of door knocking and talking to people. I was like, this is, I'm, I'm exhausted. This is a headache. So, um, what I did, did mention that? I, I door knocked for a decade. Yeah, see, I, I would, I would, I'm a millennial, so I would, that would kill me. So, <laughs> not, the thing is, that's like, I always tell millennials, I'm like, listen, you guys have literally every yes. single thing. I mean, I had to drive 45 minutes to the courthouse, park, go in, take my daughter, handwrite all the foreclosures, every address by hand, map them by hand. Like, there was nothing easy about it. And, and look, and I always say, I wish I had someone like me then because I, I bring people into eight months of coaching, 18 months, and most of them make over a million dollars in their first 18 months. It's like, it took me a decade to do that. Wow. So, so you brought me back to what I wanted to ask you earlier, which was uh, like, how can someone become, so you mentioned a big number, you talk about your students. How many students you got again? I have trained over 500,000 people. 500,000 people. How mm -hmm. can we, right? If I wanted to become a student, like, do you still offer that as a service, as a coach? Do you got courses? I do. I do. Uh, minimal now. I, I have something I call the apprentice training. Okay. And that's, I just only bring in like 10 people a year because it takes a lot of my, my time. Mm -hmm. And, but I, so I, I always have webinars. I have really good home study courses and they're really good because it's literally every single solitary thing. So I'm not like, oh, I'll buy my wholesale program, but oh wait, you have to buy this and upgrade and upgrade and upgrade to get that. So if you're like, you wanna learn wholesaling, I got a program. You wanna learn short sales, I got a program. Wanna learn subject twos, I got a program. Wanna learn rentals, I got a program. And they're really detailed. But then there are those other people like you, like, hey, I really want you to actually hold my hand. And, and I do that and I, I take maybe 10, 15 students on a yearly basis for for that level but people can always learn on my podcast when they buy a program they're in my little mighty network team wonderful they can ask questions so i'm always helping and working with people but i do some hand holding because i still like to see the look on a person's face and I'm like oh my god Juan, i literally made like eight hundred thousand dollars this year like holy cow and there's a lot of satisfaction in that because i couldn't imagine that that would be me 
you uh you make me like and i say to jokingly but you make me feel a little bit insecure i thought i was doing something on my few hundred deals you know yeah yeah it, i you, know but you're young you're 33 when you're 63 you better have at least 2,000 deals under your belt i hope because this is what i'm about to ask you next I, I was about to ask you how do you get up to 2,000 deals how do you do that because i've been doing it for 30 years okay yeah. I, I don't see it. I don't have that vision. I Jesus. I would sometimes find like a, a whole a group and wholesale like a hundred at a time. Okay. So you, as you go, I mean, if I was only had 20 deals under my belt in 30 years, I would be like, what a slacker. So you got time. Okay. All right. If you have 200 deals at 33, you're on it. I would look at you and go respect. But I meet people all the time. They go, oh, I do, you know, four deals a year. And I'm like, oh, you're so cute. Not to me when you're doing 100 deals a year. And then I want to hear what you're doing. Oh, man. Wow. So that that's that that's awesome. I, next question. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, tell me, if you could start a business tomorrow, what business would that be? And let's make it specific to real estate, right? If you could change, and I know you've done everything, but we got short sales you talk about here. You talk about flips. Uh, you got landlording. You got lease options. If you had to pick one of those, right? If they're like the one we're starting over, where would you start? Um, you know, honestly, all of my new students, I tell everyone to start with wholesaling okay. because it is... It's the cheapest thing. I, okay. I still to this day only give homeowners a ten dollar deposit. I sign a contract okay. to give them ten bucks. If everything falls apart, I lose my ten bucks. If I okay. start tell someone, hey, start off as a rehabber, and then they, they they mess it up. There's all kinds of extra things wrong with the house. They could lose, you know, their entire life savings on a deal. So I still to this day tell people if you're if it's your brand new, start off wholesaling, flipping a few houses. Get some money in the bank, Have give yourself a cushion, and then let's assess what it is that you like about real estate. Do you want to be a landlord? Do you want to own buildings? Do you want to buy a town? Like, what do you want to do? But I still, 30 years later, I still like people to start off with what I consider to be the safest thing, which is the wholesaling. Okay. Get it and... sell it right here. Take that money, put it in the bank, get yourself some education, and then see what you like. Because, you know, like you, you've been doing a lot of lots of things in the real estate but you really enjoy the marketing and the tech and that side of the business but that is a legitimate side of the business as well so that's not any less valuable than someone that's like oh i own 300 rentals like okay that's fine but you gotta that's still a portion of the business and some people will like that like you they'll get in and say hey i really like the marketing and i like the tech side i like building websites i like helping people be successful that is a part that a lot of people go, I like that better than being a landlord. Or I like that better than wholesaling houses. Or I like this better than that. And I feel like everyone leans towards something that they enjoy. They they are. And um, I think that you have success when you start to like enjoy it. And like I was telling you on the other podcast, my skills, like I hire people that do the things that I'm not good at. Other yeah. people are better with like humaning 
than I am. So I like yeah. to get those people and I like handle the tech and the marketing and some of the other stuff. So uh, I couldn't agree more. Like you, if you find something that you enjoy and the passion, like you can find these things within real estate. And I like the tech. I like the marketing. The wholesaling was fun, too, because there were tech and marketing aspects to it. But mm-hmm. I really like just that part of it, like you're yeah. saying. And yeah. it is a legitimate part of it. People will like, oh, you get into real estate. Like it's not all what we think it is. Like when you get into this, normally you're starting off as a business owner. A business, yes. there are multiple parts to your business that move. Now you're going to find this funny because, uh, so I have learned, it took me, and honestly, I had a long learning curve. It took me like 10 years to even delegate because I was like, I have to do everything myself because I, I, I know what needs to be done and I wouldn't delegate anything. But what I really enjoy is I really like talking to homeowners and distress and I really like coaching and helping people become successful. So I hire people to do uh, the marketing and the websites and editing my shows and da, da, da. And so just a few days ago, I went door knocking. I was like, you know, I I miss people. And I went out with my daughter and we door knocked uh, just a week ago. We door knocked like 15 people, but I got four deals under contract. Wow. But I like the people and I like to go out and I like to be in the neighborhood and I really like that. Now you don't like that at all, but I like that part. Right. And then the follow-up, I have someone else do all the rest of the follow-up is I can't stand following up. It's not a strong suit for me. See, we would be like a good match because I like, yeah. I don't like the people part, right? But I like the, I like the follow-up. I mean, that's what yeah. I, I published my first book. It was the follow-up because I can get the, the systems to do the follow-up where the humans don't have to do the follow-up. So, we, we, See, would, be we like, would be a, we would be like the perfect match the, because I really do. And, and like, I was just in this woman's house, um, Monday and talking to her and she's going through this thing. She's losing her house. And I was like, giving her options. And I see like little glimmer of hope in her eyes that she's not going to lose everything. And I was like, Oh, I just love helping people. Like, I love it. And I know other people are just like, Oh my God, why would you do that? It's like, I, I like it. And I'm really good at it. What's your main market where you located? Well, we buy houses, uh, we buy houses, we buy properties everywhere. We, we okay. mostly buy, we, we have a house in Colorado and we have a house in Florida. So okay. we mostly buy there. Um, we do a lot in Texas cause my husband's from Texas okay. and but he's actually originally. So this is how the, the, the town started. He's actually from a small town in Iowa called Clinton, Iowa. And I was raised in a small town called West Milton, Ohio. So we were both kind of raised in the country and in the Midwest and you know, so, so we go back to all of our high school reunions. Like we still do that. So anyway, we went back to one of his high school reunions just only five years ago. This little town of Clinton, Iowa is, is on the Mississippi River. It's like a, a little, used to be a riverfront town. And it's one of those towns that like, it looks like time forgot this town. It looks like a time capsule because it was along the riverfront and it used to be happening and had the downtown and the restaurants. And then out away from town, they built the casino, and the, where they have the concerts and then like the Applebee's and the Walmart is there. So these little riverfront towns all along Mississippi have just been like, just left. And so we went back and we have been going to reunions for the whole 20 years we've been together every five years. But the last time we went, I said, you know, this town needs some love. We should look at find some buildings and maybe we can like, you know, rejuvenate this downtown. So then we talked to some people in the city and found out they have a full city rebeautification program. They have all kinds of grants. It's in an opportunity zone and it's three blocks wide and three blocks this way. It's a little 
town. So then we drove to three or four of the other riverfront towns that have been restored and they are hopping. People are antiquing and shopping and going to breweries and they're just packed. I was like, okay, we're going to turn that town around. So we bought a building and, and I know you don't know this about us, but we're like a little OCD with everything we do. Then we bought a second building. They were like, okay, we can get two more buildings. And then we're like, okay, let's buy another one. And then anyway, within two years time, we have 20 buildings. Wow. <laughs> so I'm talking three blocks this way and three ones this way. We have 20 parcels there. I was like, okay, we seriously, we have to stop. Like we have to stop, we have to work on what we have. So we're just taking each building one by one and restoring them and filling them full of renting out commercial space and uh, renting out apartments. And just, we're just renting them all out. And it's super fun. And you know, we, we looked up some numbers just yesterday. That little town, the value of the properties have gone up 30% wow. since last year. And I said, that's because we, are making these buildings like awesome. So, so mentioning that, uh, what I've learned, like, and I was telling you my story a little bit on your podcast. What I've learned is that real estate is one of the uh, best and also safest investments you can make. Uh, what are, What are your thoughts on that? Do you agree? Do you disagree? What, what do you think? You know, the thing is, if you go back to the beginning of time, mm -hmm. back in the Bible days, the people that were the wealthiest had the most land. I mean, they had goats and they had sheep and they had lambs land and like you had the most land you were the wealthy people and if you look back and i, I watch a lot of history shows like how the, the united states were created and like the big five families like the rockefellers and you know, all the families and i i watch a lot of stuff like this i don't even mention like about wars and stuff i watch a lot of stuff but everybody if you look at uh, forbes magazine they post like there's x amount of new millionaires this year if you look at how they all did it the highest asset class is always real estate so if, since the beginning of time until today, the people that become new millionaires more than any other way, it's through real estate. So whether it's owning it, investing it, controlling it, subject to it, whatever it is, it's always real estate. So, and there's, you know, there are always the people like the Facebook people and the Google people and the Elon Musk, there are people like that that do something else. If you look at all the people combined, it's like 95% of them became wealthy from real estate. Yeah. So I always feel like it's the best thing because it's literally what's worked since the day the earth formed. Yeah. One of the things, and I, like you said, like the Elon Musk and the, the Zuckerberg, like those people, like they're tech people. Um, the, like you need like a high, like skill essentially in that in real estate. I'm not saying that you can't have skills, skills in real estate, but really with real estate, you can like be an average Joe or regular person and hit wealth easier than you can with some of those other. I was uh, fired from Denny's. Denny's. I worked third shift, 10 at night till six in the morning. I was fired in the middle of the night from Denny's. It's like, listen, I have no, <laughs> I graduated high school. I have no education. I never got my real estate license. I don't have a real estate license. I was fired from Denny's and I became a millionaire. And I tell people, I was like, I promise you, you can do this. You do not have to be, and there's, and I tell people like, there's nothing special about me. There's, I, I wasn't like some gifted person that grew up with this wealthy family that knew everything about it. I just learned it and I liked it and I made it into something. And you learned it over 10 years with no internet. I, I would, oh my goodness. Sheesh. Listen, let me tell you something. We didn't have, this is the thing I tell you, the first thing of technology, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, was GPS. Those old Garmin GPS things. Yeah. Because I had to use those big old, I don't know if you ever used one of those old fashioned map books with the yes. whole thing. I've they're seen so it. Hard, they're so hard to use. 
And that when that came out and you could plug it into your cigarette lighter in your car, I was like, oh, GPS, this is the best thing in the world. That was like the biggest thing for me because learning neighborhood, I just memorized all the neighborhoods. I, the map books are terrible. It was so time consuming. And yeah, so I, that's why and you and I talked about excuses. So when someone says to me, like, oh, do I can't do it. I don't have time. I might listen to me. I had a map book it. I had to go to the courthouse. I had to knock on doors. I didn't have anything that you have today. And I became a millionaire before all this technology was in place. So you cannot tell me oh, your list of 45 excuses because I made a million dollars before that stuff existed. So I don't want to hear you don't have time. I don't want to hear. Like you do virtual flipping. How does anyone not have time for that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just like you. It's like, girl, talk to the hand. I don't want to hear any excuses. I didn't have any of that. So with <laughs> that, I want to turn the next question into two, right? Yeah. And so, no, first, first, let me ask you, would you say that time is, would you say you, you enjoy life better with technology or without? Well, you know, it's really, honestly, it's one of those things like I, for business, definitely with. Yeah. But I yeah. also feel like we've lost letter writing. We've lost calling people on the phone. Huh. Like even my parents, I text my mom every day. I probably only talk to her twice a month, like a voice. Mm -hmm. So I, I miss that, like the simpler times. You know, yeah. So, so personally, you like, so you like it without. Simpler times. Okay. But for business, it's like, oh, thank you, Lord, that the internet's there. Okay. <laughs> so, and, so and that you, you don't know that because you're a millennial. My kids were raised; they had cell phone. Like you don't know what right. it was like before. But you know, I used to write letters to my aunts, and like we would have these conversations and talk on the phone. Like I kind of miss the personal touch because people have lost the personal touch. And and I always feel like real estate is like it's a high touch, not necessarily high tech. High tech makes it way easier and way better, but we've lost our personal touch and connections. But as your age, you're the same age as my kids. I have 31, 33, and 35. They don't know it any other way. Yeah, absolutely. And, oh man, I, I, there was a question I wanted to ask, but it slipped my mind. But for business, tech rocks, because tech you can rocks. be on YouTube, Facebook, man, you can do a webinar. You can do a webinar for people in other countries. I've interviewed people in Australia and been on their shows. It's like, I couldn't do that without all the technology. So I love that. But there's a piece of me that remembers like being a kid in the seventies and you just rode your bike and you went to your friend's house and you could be gone all day and come home when the street lights came on and people weren't checking on you every 30 seconds. Would, would you say, all right, so with that, since we were talking about tech, I want to know uh, like what, if you could, if somebody, if there was one tech tool that you could not get rid of in your business, what would that one tool be? I absolutely need this. It could be Zoom. It could be a website, YouTube. What would it be? God, all of it. Um, <laughs> literally all of it. I think, gosh, the I whole internet. like the whole thing. Cause I started with that internet. End of it. And I, I will tell you one thing, I, you know, when at first, like when Google first started and stuff, it was really amazing. You could just look things up and like, oh my God, there are things. So I think for my personal business, it would be like the website and the fact I can, I can, someone can get a home study course and I can coach okay. them on the internet. I can help people so I can, I can have a wider span of helping okay. investors, not just people like in my backyard. Okay. So 
like that portion of it would would be like super devastating because then I'd be like, well, I can only teach the people here in Denver. And instead I can teach people in the whole world. And I always feel like, you know, if I can help 25 homeowners a year, but I can teach 25 people how to help 25 homeowners a year, that many more people are not in that situation where they lose everything. Cause I was in that situation. Yeah. And, so, and tech, tech so makes far. things, technic makes things exponential if you use it correctly. So that's how I always think about it the same way. And we probably wouldn't be here like having this conversation. Yeah, like I wouldn't have a podcast that. interview you. Like you'd have to, you know, call and go fly. And like, you know, so I, so I know that's kind of vague, but I mean, so I guess for me personally, like be my, my website and like the streaming yeah. ability, because I wouldn't be able to teach people all over the country. Okay. and work with people if they if i didn't have the technology because you know when i was in florida before all this is available i had to regroup but i only worked with the people that lived in south florida mm -hmm. that was my entire conference of people like this is all there is and this is who i work with so i am a believer uh, what's that saying like one person can do the work of 10 and two can do the work of like 100 or but with the internet you can talk to you know 100,000 people at one time yeah would you so let's get away from tech and tell us a tool that's not tech related that you absolutely could not get rid of so uh learning how to talk to people okay yeah. learning how to talk to homeowners learning how to talk to banks learning how to have conversations like how do i get a shortcut done learning how to have a conversation with someone like you like hey explain to me how this works i feel like the one thing people when I talk to new, when I do a workshop and I say, Hey, tell me the number one reason, you know, you haven't made it. And they're like, everyone says fear. Number one reason, fear, fear is holding me back. What are you afraid of? Like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know. And I feel like I personally don't want to get te text messages and do a whole deal that way. I want to talk to people and, and, and scripts are important because if you don't have the scripts, you're just kind of stumbling over yourself and you can't guide people down the path to success, whether it's their house or their career. So if I could, if I had to keep one thing, it would be the knowledge to know what to say. Okay. And so you mentioned your, like your websites and I know we're not here to sell and you're mentioning in passing, but how do we get access to your coaching, your scripts, your courses? Like how do we find that information? So they just go to wonderful.com opt-in okay. and I you'll have. get a bunch of autoresponders. I love that. You get an email every other day and it's like, oh, I love my autoresponders. And then I invite people to do webinars. I do webinars, live webinars, probably just once a month or so. And um, and the nice thing is, you know, I have a little uh, app, you know, it's, it's through Mighty, you're probably gonna think like, she's so far behind. But it's the Mighty Networks, I have a little thing in there called Team Wonderful. <laughs> so probably I need to get my own app. But people can ask me questions and I can stay in touch, I can see them and, and um, so I spent a lot of my time helping other people, but I also spent a lot of my time with my family, my friends, you know, building my buildings and doing my things in Iowa. But I spent a lot of my time still helping homeowners because those are the pieces I enjoy the most. Yeah. Everything else. Taxes, paperwork, all building website, all of it. So you mentioned like I might laugh or and the thing I have to say that I admire about you and it makes sense. That's why you're successful is that you get it done. Right. Doesn't matter if it's not the prettiest. Doesn't matter if I don't understand technology. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to mm -hmm. deliver a message. I'm going to do something right. Most people do nothing. So I don't yeah. laugh. If somebody does something. 
I appreciate that because so many people are not doing anything. And it's not only hurt, harming that individual, it's harming the people that they could help as well. Yeah. So a few years ago, I was like, I probably need to get an app. Everybody's got an app. And then I started reading about apps. I was like, oh my God, I like, I got to hire the one who you hire. And then I found this company it's called Mighty Network. And you, within that, you get your little group, it seemed wonderful. And people that buy my programs, they're fulfilled in the app and they can ask me questions. And it's like, okay, I probably need to have like my own, my own QR code. I need a few things, but I still made it so it's accessible to people without them like bombarding my phone or calling me or emailing me to death. I just go on my little thing. I tap it every day. See who's got a question. And so I know you're a super tech guy. You're probably, oh my gosh, she uses my network. But you know what? It solved. It solves its purpose. Like three years ago, and now I'm working towards having like a little bit more tech on my side. But it still solved the problem that I needed, which is a way for people to ask me questions without calling me. So I, I'm not making fun of and your tech at all. In my in my email. Cause it's like, dude, I can't have 5,000 emails a day. You can't call me all day. I don't yeah. I do that. It has to be controlled over here where I can do it in my time. And my time is midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. There's a, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I admire what you're doing. I don't care. Mighty networks. I don't care if it was text message. I don't care if it was direct mail letters. I don't care because it's something getting done. And there's a quote that I like to say, uh, like I'm, I'm a teacher too. Like you, I'm an instructor. Yeah, I'm, cool. I'm not 500,000, but I got my little crew. And there, there's a quote that I always like to say, uh, results over reasons, execution over excuses, progress over perfection. Like that's what you want to do. Like you got to get something done, right? Version. And then I got a coach, right? My coach always says version one is better than version none. Some people have nothing, have nothing. Have nothing out there. So I admire that about you. The uh, next question I have is share with Go ahead. So like one of the reasons like with the mind network that I like is because I can answer people's questions. I used to answer people's questions on Skype. I can do okay. it on my time because I am not a person that will say, okay, we're going to coach and I, I, you have me from one to one thirty, And then the next person has me this time, this time, because I am unwilling to tie up my time like that. So everything I do, if you have questions, you text it in the group and I will get back to you on my time. So I learned a long time ago, which I know you know this, but your time is really your most valuable asset. But I don't think people appreciate their time until they start getting older. Like when you turn 50, yeah. you're like, wow, I'm 50. I'm like halfway there. It's like, damn, I'm 60. Like I'm on the back end of everything. And I learned because I used to give my time away. People could call me and ask me questions. And I would talk on the phone for eight hours a day. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing that anymore. So everyone has to work around my time. And I like to talk and do stuff at night. And so I do my things. And so I use those things. And you'll learn and you're knowing it now. If you make yourself accessible all the time, you have no time. I agree. And that kind of leads us into like our next thing. So I'm glad you interjected, right? Share with us. We talked about some of this, but share with us a productivity hack that you have. Like what's a productivity hack you think that would be useful to everyone? Be more specific. So a good example. I'll delegate everything. So. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a good example. Another another good example for me is like, I'm like, all right, I need to finish this video and I need to finish it like fast. So I'll like speed up the time on the video so I can hear it a little bit faster and get the information out. A productivity hack could just be time blocking. It could be meditating like you share with us. So I, would say, I would say then uh, just having my time 
so I am not a super like, okay, from, you know, eight to 10, I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I do this. I'm more like, hey, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays, from noon to five, I'll podcast, I'll do this, I'll do that. But the other days, that's not even on my radar because it's not okay. like happening on those days. So I am more about, these are the days I'll do this. Because I'm okay. more, I'm kind of like, once I start something, I'm, I, I have been known to stay up like all night long typing or writing or doing something uh -huh. and finish that project. So I have had to train myself like these are the days I'll do videos. These are the days I'll do other things. And I designate days to things. So my mind is in that groove of that day. Okay. So next time blocking, but it's like day blocking. I got you. And I think I, I think I work like that myself, but I keep trying to squeeze it down into hours. So I'm going to consider that because some days I have, all right, today is all books. Today is all training. Today is all like, I, I, I'm going to reconsider the way I do it. I used to do it like that because I listen and I read all these books and they say, right. these are the habits of highly effective people. And this is what you have to do. And then I start doing that. And like, it took me a decade to realize that doesn't work for me. Okay. That doesn't mean it doesn't work for everybody else. It doesn't work for Dwan. So yeah. I'm like, okay, these are the days. And I know it's like my podcast days. It's 12 to 5 on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Those are the days. And my mind is up. I get up. I do my hair. I do my makeup. I do my stuff. And I'm I'm into it because it's like, woohoo. And it's not just one randomly in the middle of the day that takes out my day. And then on yeah. another day, I do this. And on another day, I do that. And on another day, I do that. So I, I blog days. Okay. And on a video day, there's no hair, there's no makeup. I'm in sweats. I'm in a t-shirt. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get online and like, you know, <laughs> look like I, I didn't even brush my hair. And so I, I started more of taking days. Okay. My mind is then like, okay, like today I was like, ooh, today's a podcasting day. So my mind is like, woohoo, we're excited and our energy's up because that's what we're doing all day today. And so okay. uh, the time blocking like doing this from the morning and then you work out for this hour and you eat in this half hour and take a shower in this half hour and then you poop in this half hour and then you drink a glass of water in this half hour. Da, 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 da. I can't do that. That just doesn't okay. in my life. All right. So we were, I was asking you like a lot of business centric questions. Now I'm going to ask you some personal questions. Then we're going to get to, we, we're in real estate, right? The closing tables. I'm going to ask you some closing questions. Then we're going to get out of here. So personal questions. What do people misunderstand about Dwan the most? Um, I'm really, you know, it's weird. I am very nice to people and everyone's like, oh my God, she's so nice. But if someone like takes advantage of me or hurts my family or like kind of does me dirty, I am like a freaking block of ice. Like you are done forever. There's no coming back and crossing the line. Once you cross this line, you're on the other side of the fence for life. And I don't think people expect that, but I got, you know, you know, when you're speaking, yeah, people like, you know, just anything. Take your time slot. Try to, you know, sell your customers. Do something else. And I'm like, oh my God, did you just seriously do this to me? So um, I, I have the ability to just like, there's the line and you can't come back. And I know that may not be right and not good. And I pray and I forgive everybody. But I learned a saying a long time. My dad used to say this. Uh, he says, if you screw me once, shame on me. But if you screw me twice, shame on me. No, if you screw me once, shame on you. But if you screw me twice, shame on me. Meaning you know that person, you forgave them, you let them back in, then they screwed you again. And it's like, okay, well now you knew better. Yeah. So I, so most people don't think I'm so uh, cut and dry, which I am. I'm a very okay. like, this is the line and that's it. And so some people are like, oh my gosh, she's like cold. I'm like, no, I'm not cold. I'm just realistic. <laughs> All right. 
So that would probably be the number one thing. And then I think people are sometimes surprised that uh, I just give so much of myself and so much help and talk and energy. And I will help anyone through any situation and some tragedy. And I, and I'm really, uh, I'm, I actually think, consider myself to be a very wise woman. I studied the Bible for decades and I'm a very wise and, uh, and people can come to me with literally any crazy thing and I will help them out. Thank you. And you touched on a little bit of this, but let's see, tell us about your favorite childhood memory. Gosh, you know, it's funny. I have so many. I I grew up in the country. I mean, I guess it's like it was outside Dayton, Ohio. So it's not like the dead of the country, but we had 10 acres and we had like horses and a cow and a pig and chickens and a garden. And I think my best childhood memory is memories was, uh, and I know it sounds weird, but we would always be out like working in, and I hate working in the garden, but my cousins would come and we'd be out there like, you know, picking the peaches or picking the watermelons. And we would get in these fights where we take like old rotten watermelon and peach and like throw them at each other. <laughs> and I mean, I'm talking every summer for five years, my cousins and I, at some point in the summer, we'd be covered head to toe and like rotten apples, rotten peaches, rotten beans, rotten tomatoes, rotten watermelons. And, and, I, and it's so gross, but <laughs> those were like some of my favorite things because we would just get out there and be rolling in the dirt and fighting and throwing shit at each other and covered and parents were always like Wah! but we had so much fun as kids doing because like now i can't imagine picking up and like whopping a rotten tomato at somebody but we're we were like country kids yeah that sounds fun <laughs> it was so fun oh my god the peaches were the worst if you get a peach like hit like top my own cousin he'd throw it and i mean it hit you hard but then it's like rotten terrible so we literally when we were sitting out to do serious things we always turned it into Something that ended up playful and we always got in trouble and, but we kept doing it. Okay. <laughs> and it the, is <laughs> fun. The next question, what's your biggest failure and what did you learn from that experience? Oh man, my biggest failure. Well, you know, I don't ever consider anything to be a failure. I personally, if I do something that doesn't work out, I consider uh -huh. it to be a lesson. And so okay. I have to honestly say, like even with my husband, when we got divorced and he took off, you know, I was like, oh, I failed at marriage. And, but then, you know, I married Bill and like I succeeded at marriage. So um, honestly, I, I, and I know that maybe even sounds conceited, but I don't consider anything that I've done to be a failure because now if I didn't learn the lesson from it, then maybe I would have like a list of yes. failures, yes. but everything I've done wrong, I learn from that and I try not to repeat. So I think okay. if you do a lot of wrong things and you, and you don't fix it, then maybe you do have a lot of failures. Uh -huh. But even my divorce was terrible and I did so many drugs, it was terrible. And my sister and I got thrown in jail one time and it was terrible. And I cheated on one of my first husband, like it was terrible. Like I've done ter terrible things, but I learned. And so I don't really feel like I have any failures. Okay. I have a lot of lessons. That's if, why if I'm you, a wise person. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? I don't know. I think if I was remembered for one thing, I'd want to be remembered for being like a great mom and a great grandma and a great Mimi. And I'd want to be remembered for those things. Um, okay. If it was business related, I would want to be known for literally changing people's lives and taking people that 
stuck in a job, didn't know what to do. They worked with me, they became a millionaire and they created generational wealth. That's what I focus on generational wealth. And I think if I was remembered in business, it would be that I created generational wealth for other families that never thought they could do it because I never thought I could do it either. Thank you. And so next, um, I, I didn't tell you, but these questions are meant to stomp you. So I'm going to ask these questions. These are value ads slash bonus questions, and then we'll do the closing table. So the first question is, how can someone add immediate value to your business? How can someone add value to my business? Immediate value to your business. Um, I don't know. I think... Um... Gosh, I don't know. See, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit stuck on that because at this particular yeah. moment, I have such a great team in my business. Uh -huh. I feel like things are really going great right now. Okay. Now, that is because I let some people go. I got some of the people. So at this very second, I feel like my business is going good in all the areas. I think if someone was yeah. like, hey, I can, I can give you... 500,000 bucks tomorrow and you can buy more buildings. That would be like, okay, that'd be great value immediately. <laughs> okay, good. So that's a good, that's a good answer. And the question is, the question is meant to stop you. So one of my answers is like, whatever I'm doing or promoting at the time. So a good example, right? Just to let you know, cause I'm about to ask the same question in a different way. Good example is like, Hey, go buy a book or Hey, go buy the new course I just released or, you know, Hey, leave me a review on Google. Those are like immediate ways. To all of those things are great too. People can do all of those things too. I'm at a place right this very moment where I feel like I'm, because, you know, when I go through these growth, growth spurts and it's always has to do with technology. So I, I honestly, and it's so funny because you're in tech. A year ago, I would be like, oh, I freaking hate technology because I have to learn new things. So I decided, I caught myself one day. I said, you know what? The fact that I say that all the time puts up a block for me. Trying to yes. learn new so now every day I wake up, I go, I love technology. I love the computer. I love all the things. I love it so much. I'm open to everything I watch. I learn, I absorb it. And since I started doing that, I started my own page, YouTube page. I did a bunch of things that normally I'd be like, oh, I hate this. So I stopped saying anything that I don't like and say, I love this. Even like I take medication. I was, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Now I never say to anyone, I have rheumatoid arthritis because I'm not claiming a disease. I say, I was diagnosed with this. So now when I take my medication, I'm like, thank you that this medicine is available to help me feel better because without it, I would be in so much pain. So I have learned in just the last few years myself to take the things I don't like and be thankful for what they do for me. Okay. So the next question is very similar to the first one, but this time we're asking like long-term, right? So how can someone add long-term value to you or your business? So we it could be you, like your personal life, or it can be your business. I think long-term value would be establishing some business relationships with people that want to do like big things, like okay. let's buy a hotel, let's buy a okay. town. So I think for my for my business, my long-term goal would be to work with people that are have bigger goals. And when you say like let's buy a town, they're like, oh my god, they're like, oh yeah. So okay. I would say people that are more. Um, bigger minded. Okay. And the next question, we touched on it a little bit, but what is the biggest challenge you're currently facing in your business? Um, I know it sounds weird to say it, but with the team I have this very minute, 
I feel like all my ducks are in a row. Okay. I could be completely saying something different. I'll tell you one thing that's going to start. So I'm going to change my uh, podcast platform. So then okay. I'm going to have this learning curve where I'm going to be sitting in front of my computer going, I hate this. No, 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 no. I love this. So I'm getting ready to make a few changes in technology. That will be learning curves for me. And not that I, everyone has to have learning curves, but I, I like things to be like they, this way. And I like change, but I don't like change when it forces me to have to go through this giant learning curve. So, okay. so I don't know. That would be all it. right. So we're at the closing table. That means we're going to ask you some questions to close it out. And uh, I want to shape this first one around. I'm going to ask you it twice. So you have three books. And the question is, what are three books you recommend to the audience and why? So what I would like to do is I would like you to tell us about your three books. And then if you can think of three other books that would be good for the audience. Okay. That, how's that? So my first book I wrote was called Short Sale Pre-Foreclosure Investing. And that's a book for real estate investors, people to learn how to do short sales. And I'm actually working on, uh, with the publishing company to do a second volume on that. Because okay. with the market, short sales are getting ready to go crazy again. And my second book was How to Sell Your House When It's Worth Less Than the Mortgage. And I wrote that book for homeowners in distress. Like these are some things you can do to help yourself out of your situation. And then Success Anomics, I was one of, uh, I think 16 people and we all submitted chapters and we wrote a book with Steve Forbes and I was chosen to write the chapter on real estate investing. So I was pretty excited about that. Now books that I have read in the past. So I started reading and going to like Tony Robbins seminars and stuff in my late twenties. Cause I like all the woohoo, rah, rah. I love all that sort of stuff. So I just remember reading some books back then that I have reread that, that I thought were helpful. Things like, uh, I remember one of the greatest books I loved was The Millionaire, the Millionaire Next Door. Have you read that book, The Millionaire Next Door? I have, yes. That's a good book. I, you know, I'm that person. I drive a Hummer. My Hummer is like 15 years old. I, unless my car dies or blows up, I keep the same car forever. I don't live in like the fanciest, biggest houses ever, but I live in a nice house. Like my house is 7,000 square feet. It's certainly a nice house, but it's not a palace because it's like, ah. So I loved that book, The Millionaire Next Door, because that was the first time I read and realized, okay, I am actually a millionaire and I'm not flashy and I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm this guy. So that was a really good book for me because it was kind of like an epiphany. Because my friends were like, you should have a better car. Why don't you wear a robe? Why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? And I'm like, mm, I don't know why I don't. So I love that book. I actually saw myself in that book. Okay. And okay. I think I'm that not book a person. I don't want to have a portion. I don't want a Lamborghini. I don't want all that stuff. I just don't, I just, I, I don't know. I'm not. I, that not book's important. aligns with what we said earlier about, you know, it has to be like super smart to like be in real estate, like the, that millionaire next door book. It's like they drive, I think, I can't remember, but it was a truck. I, I think it was like four, Yes. Yes. And I was like, wow, this is uh, okay. So I don't have to be that way. Yes. To, you know, and I, I, I was, love that book because it took pressure off of me because people yes. around me like, you have a Rio group, you should have a bigger house, you should have a better car. I'm like, but I don't know why I'm not trying to keep up with the Joneses. Like, I don't, that's not me. It's just not me. It's just not. And no, I mean, I buy nice clothes, I buy expensive clothes. And if I'm buying something, I buy the best thing that there is. But I don't have to be the flashiest person. And, I, you know, with pink hair, I guess I am sort of flashy, but just in a different way. So I love that book. Because it really, it just, I don't know, it really resonated with, with taking the pressure off of me 
have to look like people think I should have a plane. I should have all these things. Like, but I don't want to have all those things. So, okay. um, so that I love that book. I remember I read a book recently. This is by Joyce Meyer. She's a preacher. It's called The Battlefield of the Mind, and okay. it's really about your mindset and things. But it's based off of biblical verses. So it's called The Battlefield of the Mind. I'm thinking I'm reading it through like for my fourth time right now. And some people are like, oh, it's a Bible book, but it's all scripture, scripturally based on your mindset and overcoming things and goals and changing how you think and how you view things. And it's about your mindset, but it's it's using scripture. So um, I'm reading it right now. Again, I think I'm honestly, I'm on like my fourth time because every time I read it, like I hear something new. And then uh, another couple books I really liked way back was Think and Grow Rich. I love those. Um, how to make friends and what was it influence people um i've read i don't know i've read all of those kind of books so when i read anything now and i'm not saying i don't need self-help because i do but when i read stuff now i'm more interested in reading just things that are practical like favorite tv shows the walking dead so okay <laughs> if i'm gonna read something i'm gonna read like a mystery or something like okay. that and not that i don't want to read self-help but I've read them for so many decades that my mind is sort of like burned out on those kind of books okay. right now. So I'm more apt to read a romance novel or something like that. Okay. All right, Sarah, <laughs> what, what's the last ro ro what's the last mystery or romance novel you've read? Uh, the one I just finished. <laughs> it's like I'm always embarrassed to say it because people are like, you need to be reading self-help books. It's like, but really all the time? Yeah, you can't be business all the time. We got to, you know. I read one called, uh, it's called like The Living Son-in-Law. Okay. Uh, and it was stupid and dumb and it's it, funny. It sounds, it sounds that way, but it, you know. It, it was entertaining. Yeah, okay. I find that I need a little bit more entertainment. Okay. Because there's so much always working on things. So, I kind of don't, don't want to ask you the next question, but I, I think you can get something for us. <laughs> what, what are three podcasts you recommend to the audience and why? Well, yours. Okay. I appreciate uh, that. Mine, because yes. I'm wonderful and I'm amazing. And I like listening to like the Murder Mystery podcast and stuff. I, so, I've, so I, I know about their podcast, ironically. Oh, my God. It's called... Um, I lost the name right now. It's so good. It's like a, oh, what the hell is it called? Those two women? Yes. Oh, oh I lost the name. I know it because I listen to it all the time. Um, I know what you're talking about. I, I, and I And I know I should be answering a bunch of real estate people. And I do listen to a lot of real estate podcasts. But I think I'm just at a point in my life where I've done so much studying and so much learning and so much. I feel like my mind needs a, a little bit of a rest. So I watch Forensic Files. I watch Serial Killers. I listen to the True Crimes podcast. And I listen to things that are more distracting, but like in a yeah. fun way. I love it's the Walking Dead. Yeah. Like, Walking Dead is like, dude, I'm not missing one show in nine seasons. So I read dystopian books, um, The Hunger Games, all that stuff. I read The Hunger Games, Twilight. Like I read all that stuff because it's fun and it's imaginative and I could see living in worlds like that so and and i know people are like hey, you should read more business i'm like i'm in business all the time thank you and thank you for sharing and, and i certainly need to keep reading things like that but sometimes i think you just need a break 
yeah, we got to mix it up. It's okay to have fun once in a while. Like I mean, I was mine is in a phase right now, especially with everything happened with my husband. Everything's so serious all the time. Um, you know, because he's got port and he's had chemo and, he had all, and everything's so serious all the time. But my mind just needs a break where I can just like go off into some other land and think about that. So I, I'm in a non-educational phase of just trying to just let my mind go someplace else. Yes, ma'am. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. The next question. What's one question you wish I had asked you and how would you have answered? I don't know. You have asked me. I have to tell you, I'm on a lot of shows. Um, this has been one of the best podcasts I've ever been on. Your questions oh. are really good. Honest to God, I swear. I'm not just going like, to blow you up. I have like love in my heart for you because I, I love your story and I love everything about what you do. And you have asked me a lot of questions no one's ever asked me. Actually, the last few five, four or five questions, no one's ever asked me any of those questions. Okay. And I was just like, wow, okay, I got to really think about this for a minute because these are not just off the cuff. I'm trying to cuff. I'm trying to answer like real questions. So I'm going to say uh, that these the questions are the best. You are literally the best. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. And the, the last thing I have for you, uh, where can listeners find out more about you online? At dwanderful.com. Or they can just Google the word Dwanderful, D-W-A-N-D-E-R-F-U-L, and they'll find everything. But seriously, right. you asked me about like memories and books and investing. And I, I can't think of any question that, oh, man, I wish I could have talked about that. So I feel like I got to talk about all the things that I like and that are important to me. And um, yeah, honestly, I, I, there's not a question. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I lied a little bit. So I do have another question for you. It ties into your podcast. And it's <laughs> okay. not really a, it's, it's not really a question. It's word of wisdom. Give us one word. Just oh. got to be one word. I did that to you. Yes. <laughs> one word of wisdom. Tenacity. Tenacity. And just like you, you asked me, go ahead and expound upon that. People have to just have a little bit more oomph in their life and they have to be, stop being afraid of failure and stop being afraid, afraid and just period. And I think people have to just have a little more tenacity and do more things and try more things and eat new food and go new places and learn new businesses and learn and just have a little more oomph in your life. Because I feel like we're living in a time right now where Everything is just all about politics and are we in a depression and what's happening? And there's so many negative things in the world. So I think if people would just be a little more tenacious and, and really seek out the good and the fun and the wonderful things that the world has and stop focusing on all the other stuff. Dewan, this has yeah. been one of, this has been the <laughs> longest and most wonderful experience I've had. We've been together for about three two and a half 90 20 i don't know how long we've been together but it, it went fast. And yeah and i i've really enjoyed myself i appreciate you so much thank you for coming uh i'm going to talk to you i'm going to do our ex exit and i want to talk to you a little bit and then we're going to you know go and really, you, you really are a rock star this is probably this is 
the most fun because most is just like uh, everything's so serious. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I, people fun. always tell me, people always tell me, I'm, Jerome, you're so serious. I am serious, but I know how to be fun too. So no, but you're fun. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. You're fun, and then I was talking about other people, not you. You are serious, but you know what? You're serious and. Like you are yes. serious, but like in a good way, like the things that you yes. are passionate about, you are serious about and you learn and you educate and you train, but then you're super fun too. And like, we talked about all kinds of crazy stuff. Yes. And so I, I think that's, you're like the perfect combination. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. We're going to exit and then I want to talk to you a little bit. All right. Okay. All right.